Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. Um, We're wrapping up a series. It's the first series of 2019, and the title of the series is called Better, and the tagline for that is that we're getting better at what matters the most. We want to get better at what matters the most. And our focus has been uh, prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, getting better at prayer and fasting. And so when we talk about getting better at prayer, when we talk about getting better at prayer, what we're saying is this, is that we're not working on getting more eloquent with our prayer life, but we're working on getting better at being effective in our prayer life. Listen, listen, it, it, I, I shared this um, uh, in the first service. Uh, one of the things that, that I'm impressed with in regards to Miss Becky is that woman can pray. Uh, how many how many's ever, you know, I mean, you know, it's just like during our prayer week, she gets up, man, she just brings the house down. And, and I was thinking one time, and I was like, God, I got to follow that. I mean, please help me. And, uh, uh, but, 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 but she's just, it just, but one, another thing is that she's been, she's been praying many years. You see what I'm saying? She just, she's just been praying for many years. But, but here's the point that I want to make. I know she's very eloquent in prayer. She can, she's just good, you know? But, but, but listen, your prayers, your prayers are just as effective as hers. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. That your prayers are just as effective as anybody else's that may have these eloquent, beautiful prayers. That's the reason we encourage people. That's the reason that we gathered, one of the reasons that we gathered during our five nights, one of the things that we did is that we got together in our prayer huddles and we encourage you to pray for each other. If you've never prayed before, that's a great, safe place to do it. As a matter of fact, I'll say this. Don't ever, you don't ever want to miss another one of our uh, five nights of prayer anytime we get together to pray. It was powerful, powerful, powerful uh, this, 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 past, this past week. But here's why we're working and we want to get better at prayer is, is, is the place that God has in our lives is the place that we give him. Let, let that sink down into your soul. Let it get in on the inside of you. The place that God has in our life is the place that we give him. And whatever place that we give him, whatever we give him access to, he's going to influence. Can I better amen than that? That whatever, whatever we give God access to, the place in our life that we give him access, he's going to influence. And I promise you this, anytime that God has an opportunity to influence, something's going to change. I said, something is going to change. So prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, they're really God's door. They're God's door to step in. We give him access and so he can influence in and through us. Can somebody say a better amen than that? All right. So today's message, so today's message, I want to start really the, the core of the message. I want to start with, with a couple of events that happened, a couple of events that really changed the world. In December of 1903 at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, there were two brothers. They, had, um, they were actually had owned, a, uh, they'd owned a bicycle shop and where they built bicycles, repaired bicycles in, in the uh, Midwest. And they had, built this, uh, they had built this new machine, and it was a heavier-than-air machine that was powered. 
And so they gathered together in, in uh, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. They, they gathered together there. And they actually flipped a coin because they were going to fly this new, this new invention that they had created. And so they, they, they flipped a coin, and Orville, the younger one, actually won the toss. So he got the chance to fly it first. And so when he got in there, they powered it up, and, and, and they, they got it moving down this little track. And, and when, when it, it took off, they flew for 12 whole seconds. You think, they only flew for 12 seconds? Is that really something to get excited about? Yes, because it was the first time that mankind had ever flown in a heavier-than-air machine. They flew 120 feet. It's amazing. Do you know that 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 was the beginning of change? Do you realize that? That that was the, the beginning of change. But the most important part of this was not... What they achieved that morning, flight for the first time in a powered, heavier-than-air machine. It's not just what they achieved in December 1903. It's really what they set in motion. It's what they set in motion. Years later, in July 1969, there were three astronauts that sat in a capsule of a heavier-than-air machine. It was on top of a, a, a Saturn V rocket. When they gave the signal, or when the signal was given, I should say, and that thing, that, that Saturn V rocket launched, they traveled for 103 hours, and they covered over 250,000 miles. And at the end of that 250,000 miles, Neil Armstrong stepped out of a capsule that was sitting on the moon. And man walked on the moon for the very first time. Now again, again, in December of 1903, the achievement was great. But the reality was those Wright brothers set some things in motion. The past 21 days, we have gathered and we have purposed in our heart that we're going to put God in the center. And we've done it. We've been fasting and, 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 and praying. Again, corporately, we came together. But for 21 days, we're wrapping it up. For 21 days, we've been doing this. We've been fasting. Some of you, if you've been here before, you probably heard me talk, say that I'm going to fast caffeine. Almost 21 days. We're almost there. And we're about to go from fasting to feasting in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen to that? I've never stopped caffeine for like cold turkey. I back off a little bit, but I just stopped it. I'm going to tell you. I drink about three or four cups a day typically. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are pretty tough, Pastor John. I mean, but you know what? Listen, 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 listen. It's not just about what we achieved that we got 21 days in, which that's a great achievement. 21 days of, of, of separating ourselves that could be a distraction from God, fasting. That, that's great, but what we've achieved is not the important part. It's what these 21 days have set in motion. That's what matters. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the process of walking out what we've been praying out. I want to talk to you about walking out the process of what we've been praying out. So, so I want to give you three quick points, three kind of quick points. 
in regards to the process, three promises of the process. So if you're taking notes this morning, go ahead, get ready. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and get ready and write this first point down. Number one point in these promises of the process is that God is in the process, that God is in the process. If you go and you read the Bible from beginning to end, you'll discover many things about God. But one of the things that you'll discover about God is that he is a process-oriented God. He's a process-oriented God. If you go back in the book of Genesis and you see the creation, you'll see that God didn't just speak the earth and everything on the earth into existence at one time. You go back and study it, you'll see that there was a process. Everybody say process. Why? Because God is the God of what? Process. The sooner we figure that, the sooner we accept that about God, the better life will be for us because it really uh, enables us to walk out what we've been praying out. Let me share, let me share just a couple of scriptures about God that really show us that he's the God of process. Philippians 2, uh, 12 and 13 says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation, work out your salvation, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now here, he's not talking about the new birth. You don't work the new birth out. The moment that you accept Jesus as your savior, you're born again. Can somebody say amen to that? But the new birth, when you uh, commit your life to Christ or you recommit your life to Christ, that's just the beginning. Everybody say that's just the beginning. It's the beginning of a process. It's the beginning of developing and growing and discovering. That, that's one of the things that we do here, here at Word of Life, and we're going to always work at getting better to help people know God, discover their purpose, and help them make a difference. It's a process. Everybody say again, process. process. And it goes on to say, um, it goes on to say, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. For it is God that does what? He works process. Being a Christian is not about learned behavior. It's about transformation. We, we can bring you in here every weekend and say, we're going to teach you how to act better. We're going to teach you how to behave. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to leave this place and you're going to try to behave, but you're not going to be able to do it. Just trying to behave. But if you come in and we give you, we say, hey, listen, God loves you. We teach you the word, certainly. But we also let you be aware that there are paths for you to take. We make them very clear. There are paths that you begin to take. You begin to walk out these paths. Water baptism, get in discover, get in a life group, get in small groups, uh, get, in, get connected and begin to serve. We open up these paths because we know as you walk these paths out, there's going to be transformation that takes place. That's what Christianity is all about. That's a great place to say amen. amen. I know you did, but I wanted to hear it again. <laughs> Let me give you another scripture. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. Paul said, I planted a seed. Talking about process. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Amen. Process. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God. Who makes it what? Grow. Process. And so the reason it's important to get this is often there's a gap between the moment that we pray and the moment that we see the answer to our prayers. Talking about process. Got to get this. 
because there's a, there's, a, there's a gap between the moment that we pray and the moment that we see our prayers answered. There, there, there's, there's a time, there's a space often between when we pray and we see what our prayers produce. So that's the reason it, it, we, we, we want to be very clear this morning that you hear this, that you hear. It's not about what we achieve in praying, which is important, but it's about, listen to me, it's about what that prayer initiates and what that prayer activates. So, so when you pray, listen to me, as we've been praying, it sets some things in motion, but we've got to stay with it. We got to walk out what we've been, what we've prayed out. Let me give you an example of this, biblical example, Daniel. Daniel was a man of God and Daniel prayed. He prayed one day. And so another day, an angel shows up, archangel. I mean, it's like big angel. Top gun angel shows up to Daniel. And this is what the angel says. Then he said, the angel said, don't be afraid, Daniel. How <laughs> I many of you know if an angel appeared to you, you'd probably freak out too? Come on now. Some people say, well, if an angel appeared to me, I'm telling you, I just would be heavenly. No, you would probably, I don't know what you'd say, but you would help me, Jesus. An angel just appeared, you know? <laughs> don't be afraid, Daniel. Since, listen to this part. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Isn't it good to know that when we pray, God, our prayers don't, they go beyond the ceiling. They go to heaven. I said, our prayers reach heaven. I said, our prayers, they're heard in heaven. Can somebody say, thank God for that? All right, watch this. Now, and then he says, I've come. In answer to your prayer, here I am. Watch verse 13. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. 21 days. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So basically, this is what Gabriel, the archangel, is saying. He's saying this. He said, look, when you prayed, we heard. And I'm here, I'm here because you prayed, we heard, and now I'm here. But listen, listen, Daniel, I just want to let you know, there was a little bit of a gap. There was a little bit of a gap between the time that we we heard your prayer and and the Father responded and he dispatched me. There's a little bit of a gap there. It's 21 days, but you know what? The good news is that I'm here. You see, all the time, Daniel didn't know this. See, Daniel had no clue as to what was going on. On day two after his prayer, day day three, he didn't realize what was going on. But the reality was that God was working in the gap the whole time. I said God was working in the gap the whole time. I said God was working in the gap the whole time. God was working in the gap. In that space between the time that Daniel prayed. And Daniel saw the answer. He received the answer to his prayer. I'm the oldest of three boys. I'm the oldest of three boys. I know if I brought my brothers up here, you would probably say, well, you don't look the oldest. And I would say, thank you very much. But no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm the oldest of three. And we, I grew up. I grew up in a, a spiritful home. I grew up in a home where uh, we never asked on Saturday night, hey, what are we doing tomorrow? Never. Never got up in the morning on Sunday mornings and said, Mom, what are we, 
What are we going to do today? What's, what's on the agenda? If I would have gotten up or any of us would have gotten up and said, Mom, what are we going to do today? She would have tried to cast the devil right out of us because she would be convinced my son is possessed. Be saying something like that because we're going to church. Now, I thank God for that. I said, I thank God. I thank God that, that it, my parents never negotiated. And it's not that we couldn't have been doing something else because we could have. It's not that we weren't busy doing something else because we could have been doing something else. But my parents said, no, on Sundays, we're going to the house of God because that's how we live. That's our lifestyle. That's just not something we do. We don't visit church. We're part of it. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. But there was a point in my life, there was a point in my life in the latter years of my teenage years, 8, 19, in the early part of my 20s, that I decided, you know what, God, I've got a better way. I did. And, and, and it could have been because maybe I had some negative experiences in the church culture, the church environment that I grew up in. Maybe so. It's kind of a judgmental culture. And that's the reason that has affected me today. I can't stand a spiritual, a spiritual attitude of superiority. I, 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 can't, I can't stand that. Matter of fact, I think it pushes uh, uh, the church and unchurched people away. When we present ourselves as some sort of spiritual giants, and maybe well, you'll be like us one day. We don't want people to be like us. We want people to be like Jesus. I had to get that out of my system. It just kind of, I'm still getting counseling on that one. But anyway, <laughs> I grew up in that environment. But I, so I go, I, I, I go my way and I go, I go to college. But during that time, Later, I found out that my mom, her name is Renee, my mom would get up every morning at 6 o'clock, well, actually five mornings during the week. She would get up at 6 a.m. and she would go to this little country church over in Spring Hill, Louisiana. And, and I heard about this later, and I could see it in my mind because I heard my mom pray many times over the years. And my mom didn't need a mic. If she were up here, she's got lungs, I can tell you. She's got lungs. Man, that woman's loud. And I love her loudness. But she would walk back and forth at the back of that church. Starting at 6 a.m. in the morning, she'd pray. She would call her son's name out. John, Father, that he'll do what you called him to do. To hem him in. Wherever he goes, pray, Father, that, you, that he'll run into you. Whatever, wherever he goes, wherever he runs. Chris, Tim, they began to call our names out before God. During that time, I was at college, and there was some, there was some things that that happened, there's some things that happened that weren't by accident. For example, I, I happened to be in a room my freshman year at college with uh, next to this guy that I would consider him a Jesus freak. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, this, this dude, back, this is back in the day, so I think he had aspirations of being a preacher or a pastor or something because back in that day, man, when you came to church, you, you, you had to wear a tie. I mean, that was just went with pastoring and preaching. Had to wear a tie and he, he would wear a tie suit and everything and then he would wear it, carry a briefcase. I, I, I know young folks, you you probably don't know what a briefcase is. It's this rectangle thing. You carry it and it's kind of like a suitcase, miniature suitcase. Just Google it. Just go find out. Google it when you get home. Don't do it now. Later. Google suitcase. But he would, he would carry this thing around and, and on the inside, I bet you he had 17 different translations of the Bible because we didn't have the Bible online that time. Internet wasn't around. And so he had, he had about 17 different translations. He had, and, and he always left his door open. And there's so many times I had to walk by his door. And when I would walk by his door, we had had a conversation before. He knew I grew up in, in church and I had been in church quite a bit. And so I would walk by his door and if it were open, uh, he would say, hey, come here, let me tell you what God's showing me. Yeah, God gave me this revelation. I was just thinking, just shut up. 
I've heard about every scripture that you've read there. I know. Then I would go to the gym. I'd go to the gym and there was a, a guy by the name of Bobby. Bobby was this crazy Cajun from, from Opelousas, Louisiana. Crazy. This guy was crazy. He, he, was, he was about 6'1", 6'2", weighed 220, 225. I mean, he looked like a bodybuilder. And so, so but, but when I would walk through the front doors of the gym, it was not uncommon from the back of the gym for, for him to holler. He would go, hey, Johnny. And I'm thinking, my name's not Johnny. It's John. He never could get that right. This is true. From the back, everybody would hear this. I'm thinking, just shut up, Bobby, because he would always say, hey, Johnny, man, Jesus loves you. <laughs> and he's 6'2", 225. You think I'm going to tell him to shut up? No, he's too big. I'm just like. <laughs> and there's one day I was sitting um, uh, in my apartment and I had a knock on the door. And I looked out the little peephole and when I looked out the little peephole, there was Paul Trochel. I went to college at Magnolia, Louis, uh, Magnolia, Arkansas, and he pastured in the same city. And to be honest with you, when I looked through that people, I was like, I'm not letting him in. <laughs> I, I, I know who sent him. It was Renee Welch. I know she called. He had his youth pastor with him. And, and, and so I, I just could not, not open the door. I'd known Paul for a long time since I was this tall or maybe that tall. So I opened the door and Paul came in. And when Paul came in, he sat down with his youth pastor and we talked a little bit, had a little bit of small talk and he looked at me straight in my eyes. And he said, John, what are you doing? <laughs> well, Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm in my junior year of college. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna graduate and I'm gonna coach. That's my plan. My dad was a football coach. I wanna be like my dad. And he said, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. And he looked at me again. You know, he's got those blue eyes. He's looking at me. I was like, he was looking into my soul. And it was at that moment I knew it wasn't just Paul Trochel asking me this question. It was God. It was God. And he said, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about, John. Look at me. What are you doing? And I had to put my head down. And I said, Paul, I'm not doing, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know what he did next? He didn't pray for me. He just got up and left. <laughs> Could you at least pray for the guy? Could you just something? God help him, deliver him, let him see something. Something. <laughs> do, do, you, do, you think, do you think that was by accident that all that happened? Oh, no. I can tell you why that happened. It's because my mom was working that gap. And God was working in that gap. I'm telling you, it's not just about what we've achieved. It's about what we've set in motion. Second thing that I want to say to you this morning, I feel like God wants to say to us is this. Let me just say this about the process and about the gap. Uh, don't, don't shortcut the process because you can shortcut the product. Don't, don't, don't try to shortcut the process. Stay with the process. Listen, I, actually, I pastor that way. That's the way I pastor. Just stay with the process. Stay with it. Be faithful. Stay with it. God will honor it, and he'll always produce. Amen. Stay with the process, or you'll shortcut the product. 
Second point is there's pain in the process. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. When I said that, pain in the process, I, 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 really, I really expected you guys to just blow the roof off this house going, praise God. Hallelujah, there's pain in the gap. There's pain in the process. But you didn't. I wonder why. I, I believe one of the greatest trials you'll ever face in your walk with God is in the gap. I, be, I believe it. I believe it's one of the, the, the most difficult and greatest trials you'll ever face in your walk with God is in that gap. And, but in, 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 and here, here's where the pain is. When I'm talking about the pain in the gap, it's, it's the pain of seeing no evidence of your prayer being answered. You think it's not being answered as you're walking through the gap. It's, it's, it's the pain of, of uh, often that, that when you begin to pray and you begin to walk out what you've prayed out, sometimes it just doesn't get easier. What you're praying about sometimes even gets harder. Whoever you may be praying about may, may even get a little bit more cray-cray. You know what I'm talking about? And it's in that moment, it's in that moment, that, that's, that's, the greatest, that's the greatest test of being in the gap. Because it's in the gap is where your faith is really tested. It's not, it's, it's not our faith just uh, releasing the prayer that is important, but our faith is also tested in the gap. Everybody say in the gap. Streets in James 1, 2, and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. When you face trials of what? Many kinds. A trial of being in that gap. I'm not, seeing th- I'm not seeing anything happen. I'm not seeing anything moving. I've prayed and things are getting crazy. It's getting worse. Watch this part. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You see, the first time my mom prayed, I didn't call her and say, Mom, I've repented. I've turned from my evil ways and now I'm on the straight and narrow. No, no, I didn't that. As a matter of fact, I did some crazier stuff. I didn't know that she was praying, but I was just doing stuff that just, I had no sense doing. And I'm going to tell you, I knew better. But here's the beautiful thing about pain. Here's the beautiful thing about pain. Pain creates pressure. And pressure will force you to move. Pain will create pressure, and pressure will force you to be. Listen, several, several years ago, I had um, shoulder surgery. And um, I was going about to try to be, I typically handle pain pretty well. So the doctors, you know, they, they gave me the pain pump and all the stuff that sent me home. And, and, and they said, take some pain medicine before the pain medicine wears off. They just nerve block all that stuff. And, and I typically handle pain pretty well. And, but I, I just said, you know what? I, I think I'm going to be, be all right, Sandy. I, I don't, I'll be all right. I know you got the medicine. I know what you're saying, but I, I'm going to be all right. So about 10 o'clock, she, Sandy made her last offer for some pain medicine. About 5 o'clock the next morning, I woke up. I, I didn't know a person could hurt that bad. I mean, I was just like. And so I would, I'm honestly, I've never taken drugs in my life. But if you would have had crack cocaine in the house, I would probably say, give me some. I need some relief. Help me. No, not really, but I would have been tempted. But I would try to move, and I, because that was hurting, I would try to move. I just couldn't get comfortable, and finally we took some good drugs. Praise God for good drugs. Amen. Legal drugs. Legal drugs. But that's what pain does. Pain will make you move. And you'll do one of two things. You'll move towards God or you'll move away from him. You'll move towards him in the gap, 
or you'll move away from him and derail the process. That's a good word right there. So one thing's for sure. You're going to move. You're going to move. It's going to happen. But the question is this. What determines which way you go in the gap? I can tell you one huge factor. It's one huge factor. And that's relationships. Listen, you weren't designed to walk in the gap alone. You've got to have relationships. And listen to me very closely here. If you have the wrong relationships in the gap, they will pull you away from God. It'll happen. That is the reason we have small groups, life groups here, to create paths for people to get on so that they can build healthy relationships. Can I have a better amen than that? Listen to me. We, one of our values here at Word of Life Center is relationships. That's not some sort of little slogan. We bleed that. We bleed it. Because we know, we know that people in our church, people in our body, people in our family are getting their heads beaten in, in the gap because they don't have healthy relationships. Relationships that can encourage you to stay in the fight, keep working the gap. People keep saying, look, listen to me. God's working. You may not feel it. Your kids are acting crazy, but God is working. We're going to keep standing for your kids. We're going to keep standing for your future. We're going to keep standing for your health. We're going to keep standing. We're in the gap. Come on now. We're in the gap. We're not moving. We're going to keep walking this thing out because we set some things in motion a while back when we began to pray. Hebrews 10, 25 says we should not stop gathering together, not just on Sundays, but in small groups, life groups. Don't stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. You know, my mom didn't just meet by herself. There were some other people that would meet up there with her they basically had a small group that's what they did they prayed as i wrap up this morning the last point is this there's always reward to the process there's always a 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 reward to walking the gap out there's always a reward. Hebrews eleven six says, no one, excuse me, no one can please God without faith. Whoever goes to God must believe that God exists, watch this, and that he rewards those who what? Seek him. It stays in the gap. I, I, wish, I wish that I could have invited my mom here today. I wish that I could have invited, I should have. I should have. Maybe, maybe next time when I share something like this, I'll, I'll have her come. Her name is Renee. And this is use her imagination for a moment. Let's imagine that she's sitting there on the front row. And I said, hey, mom, why don't you come up here? She walks up on the platform and, 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 and I asked her this question. I said, mom, was it, 
worth walking out what you prayed out? Was it, was it worth it? Was it, was it worth it in, in staying in that gap and just keep praying and standing? Was it, was it worth it, mom? Amen. Got the mic. Now, I wouldn't give her the mic because she would preach. I'm telling you, that, she, would, she would preach. I'd hold the mic. But I, can, I promise you, I know what she would say. I know what she would say. It would be a resounding yes. It was worth it. It was worth investing in the gap, investing time in the gap. It was worth it. I mean, every time I, every time I think about this, man, it just, it just hits home with me. Was it worth it, Mom? Mm. Mm. Hold it together, John. Was it worth it, Mom? Resounding, oh, son, yes, it was worth it. You know why? Because all three of her boys are saved. All three of her boys, listen to me, are serving God. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to serve God. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you serve Him. That's not a judgmental statement. That's reality. But here's the good news. Even better. All of our children... My children, Chris's children, and Tim's children, all are saved in their serving God. I have two son-in-laws that are saved in their serving God. Mm. I'm living proof that it's worth it to walk through the gap. I'm living proof that it's worth it to stay true, to have people around you. Because the reason I'm standing here, I'm convinced, is because my mom wouldn't quit. She kept praying out, walking out what she had prayed out. And that moment, many, many years ago, created a momentum. It created movement. All of these things weren't by accident. God, quote unquote, didn't just sovereignly make that happen. It's because my mom prayed. So what is God saying this morning? He's saying to you, he's saying to me, it's not just about what we achieved over the past 21 days. It's really about what we set in motion. That it's time to walk out what we've prayed out and don't quit until we see the answer. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.